thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 52. I'm here with my buddy and co-host Drake Nelson and uh, my friend Mike Faberman, very funny comedian. How you doing, Mike? Gentlemen, good to be here. Love the both of you, so this should be fun. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope so. I don't always love the people I podcast with, you know what I mean? You have to fake it sometimes. Dude, the worst is radio. You really got to fake it with those fucking guys. Those cheese balls. Yeah. And they laugh at the wrong spots all the time. And then, yeah. Like, I'll be in the middle of of the the setup, and they're like, oh, that happened to me. And I'm like, I'm not done, you motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, this whole bit you just (laughs) stomped on, you moron. Oh, man. I mean, these radio guys, especially those small markets, they all think they're just the shit. And, yeah. Oh, just to listen to them, like, uh, I don't know, try to pander to you in a sense, and then you throw them a good line, and they just choke on it. I was doing radio a few <clears> years <throat> ago in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, the DJ, it was right after I quit drinking, and and I told him I just quit drinking, and he, he just interrupted me, and he was like, ah, you know all your friends hate you now, right? And he's <laughs> just being kind of a dick about it. <laughs> and, then, and, then, uh, and then he started the whole, the entire radio show. I was on there for like 45 minutes. All this guy wanted to talk about was a coupon clipping reality show. And like every time I started to steer the conversation somewhere else or make, you know, make a joke about whatever, he would he would just look at me like, what are you doing? I'm talking about this coupon clipping reality show. So after a while, I just quit listening to him. Or I just I wasn't even I was there, but I wasn't there. And I was just doodling in my notebook. And I happened to doodle, this is the worst radio show I've ever done in my career. And, or the, or the lamest. Yeah. And, uh, and I got back in the car to go back to the hotel. And, and the guy that was giving me the ride was talking to me. And I'm flipping through my notebook. And I'm like, I can't find that fucking piece of paper. Where's that piece of paper that said this is the lamest radio show I've ever done? And I went to call the booker like six months later, and he's like, uh, well, I'll have to have you back at a time where, uh, like a holiday weekend where you don't have to do radio because oh. that was the number one rated radio show in Little Rock, and they found, they found your little note. And I was like, I didn't intend for anyone to see that. <laughs> and I explained the situation. He's like, yeah, it sounds like him. He's kind of a prick, but... Um, I've been a Little Rock. You're not missing anything. Yeah. Trust me. And he goes, that's a number one rated show in Little Rock. And I was like, well, then Little Rock Radio sucks. Oh, yeah. Little because- Rock in general. <laughs> I mean, you probably work the South. Yeah. Do you work the South a lot? Uh, not a ton. but. All right. Well, I stopped. And uh, early in my career, <laughs> I mean, it's just not. They, they were still calling me Yankee down there. And I'm like, okay, guys. Listen. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, I think we could wrap this up for the time being, you know. I'll yeah. stick to the cities that have education. Yeah, you know. I was born in Arkansas. And, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I'm not. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful state, and it gets a bad rap sometimes. Like, there's a lot of smart people down there, but there's a lot of freaking, uh, there's a lot of not also. A, I found that to be ign- a nationwide ignorance, thing, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they choose. It's, it's, like, it's not like they, they're not have, they don't have the option to right. change. 
Yeah. They choose not to. And they still have cities down mm. there called, like, there's a city called Toad Suck, Arkansas. That's, wow. that's a genuine real place. Wow. Toad Suck, Arkansas. Yeah. Um, I actually saw, just to, <laughs> off the top, I saw a red-headed Rastafarian with dreadlocks <laughs> singing reggae in Little Rock. Really? And wow. I was like, wow, that's that's something you don't see. I called them redlocks. And uh, <laughs> not even a joke, but like yeah. I was watching this like, you don't see this in many places no. around the world. It's, a, it's an interesting place for sure. Yeah. Especially for me. Like I was walking around that city and they have, they're the Razorbacks, right? The what? Razorbacks. Uh, Arkansas, yeah, yeah. yeah. Arkansas, and there's like Arkansas. pig statues all over the city. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I call everyone a pig and right. just, and I, was, I loved it. <laughs> St- statues of pigs everywhere come on that's my yeah i mean you should see my backyard that guy with the dreadlocks it's almost like he was in like some type of reggae witness protection right like that's where he goes to get away from the crowd looking for him where would he go to arkansas yeah, they're not rock. gonna find him in arkansas yeah, little rock yeah. there's some freaky girls down there too like couple of waitresses at the comedy club because i used to work there's a loony bin there yeah and then there was something downtown i think it was a funny bone at one time i don't yeah. think it lasted very long yeah i worked at the funny bone when All it was right. open for i that opened weeks. that funny bone <laughs> oh you did hell man it was not comfortable yeah we barely missed each other because i was there like a week or two after that probably i, I opened for uh tony rock um at the time and yeah so i remember that it wasn't i open did very long. an all-black show mm-hmm. down there and they hated my guts. Oh, yeah, in Little Rock? They hated me. Huh. Well, first of all, Yankee, white guy, and then the abrasive attitude type of comic. Yeah. They wanted nothing to do with me. Oh, they didn't like you, huh? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I was like, put on the comment cards, guys. All right. You got to learn how to black it up a little bit, Mike. Come you got to bust their balls. That's what you got to do. Black crowds like that, if they don't like you, if you bust on them and you're funny and you legitimately like sh- like tear someone to shreds, they'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But especially in the South, but they just, I just I read some of the comment cards and I kept some of them because I thought they were hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, my friend Jason get, gave me some when I was first starting out, and one of the first all black audiences I did. He was like, they really like when you make fun of somebody right off the bat. Yeah, and uh, that's always served me pretty well. Yeah, that that works. You know, or to tell them you're not scared of them or something like that. <laughs> I'm not scared of you guys. I just saw Rocky. <laughs> some, some joke like that, you know. They, I, I did uh, Axis um, at Live at Gotham at Axis. You yeah, know, you know I, saw that that, I saw that clip today. It was great. I did two of them. The second one I did, uh, it was a predominantly black crowd. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how do I open? Like, should I go and say something about that? And I thought to my like, right, you know, when you're about to tape something live, like some, some time with TV, you like really like, contemplate, like, you mm-hmm. know, every decision really matters. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you're not going to stand out unless you take the risk. So I opened with, I don't know if you remember, but it was basically a lot of black people in the crowd saying, what are we having, a barbecue here or something? <laughs> and and luckily it hit, because if it didn't, it would have been a nightmare. Oh, yeah. But that but that's goes to what you just said. It's like you got to kind of shit on them, and then they'll like you. Yeah, you, have to, be, you have to be honest and, and, <clears throat> and not afraid, and, and uh, black folks will be like, all right, this yeah. guy's all right, you know. 
But yeah, I've crazy. Had, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the best 10 minutes of my career was when I was featuring for Bruce Bruce. And uh, if a black audience Bruce, loves Bruce. you, if a black audience loves you, I mean, they really yeah. love you. And uh, I came out, I had a confrontation with this lady up front, and I was just, she was just lobbing them over the middle, and I was knocking them out of the park. <laughs> and, and, and I came off stage, and they're like throwing their arms around me, like, You a crazy white boy. <laughs> you a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and they were making so much noise that like people had to come from next door to be like what is going on in there? Like, <laughs> what's going on in this comedy club <laughs> yeah and all the so, great audiences and uh, you just have to pick the right material right and so so you did you start doing comedy in boston <clears throat> you know i just i just did a couple shows so basically what happened was uh i knew i wanted to do it my yeah you know, my parents had some kind of wedding anniversary at this hotel and then the next to the hotel was a club bar and and there was a comic uh, Steve Sweeney and at the time I didn't know who he was but if you guys don't know who he is he's like one of the bigger names in Boston okay. stand up no clue who he was but he just tore the place apart and I was like wow I mean what a what a thing to witness you know and and I thought to myself like this guy's making a living you can make a living doing this yep it was like what better way to live your life you know because mm-hmm. it's like for stand up for me and I'm sure for you guys and I'm and I'm hoping for more most comics as well it's not just about us it's about what we bring to the table yeah to, to people i mean how many times have you been walking around the city the next day after a show and someone said listen man i was having a terrible week and, yeah and and you really made my week my family really needed that that is the real yeah deal that's yeah. you know so <clears throat> basically seeing this guy you know tear up this room i was like you know that's what i want to do Right, and even though it took a lot, you know, I don't know about you, both of you guys, first time on stage, but it takes a lot of balls. The first time, to do it. I think it does yeah. for everybody. I was a little so different. I was, I was in the fake wrestling business for a long time, oh, okay. so like I had been used to being in front of a crowd, yeah. and get even getting spit on. You know what I mean? So to not get hit with chairs and fall off of stuff and get my head that kicked still in. happened on the first time <laughs> <laughs> emotionally yeah, yeah no but shit. just standing there talking into a mic i was like this uh, is great i don't gotta do any drop kicks or anything well, not I, that i did a lot of drop kicks you got yeah. drop kicked a lot though. yeah I, could, I stood there and got punched a lot <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't do the fake stuff but it it, it Wrestling did kind of prepare me for that as far as being in front of people and you're yeah. wearing a singlet and all that, especially when you're going through puberty. It's a little bit yeah. It's a little bit uh scary, you know, but I couldn't do it. But no matter what, there is a there's definitely a different thing. There's definitely a different thing than it's definitely different than putting your ideas out there and someone essentially saying, Ah, we think your idea sucks. Yeah, it's like you as a you as a person, like yeah. your soul. So wrestling, you don't have to talk to him. It doesn't matter how nervous you are. Your voice isn't going. Nah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've had those where I where I felt it and I and my I could feel my voice doing something I didn't want it to do, and <laughs> and that's hard to control. And well, that the first sucks. time for me, which I'm sure for you guys too, was just pure adrenaline. It was just like blur, it was blurting, like skydiving, like concepts out. Yeah, I remember one of my first ones was something like about Claudia Schaefer dating that David Copperfield guy. Yeah, that's yeah, the best yeah. magic trick he's ever had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I didn't even perform it that good that night. But it's like it was like ideas like that, just kind of tossing them out there, hoping. But I think more people were laughing at the the energy more than what yeah. I was saying. Yeah, and uh, God, what a thrill! I mean, the first time I did it was at the um, the Comedy Vault at Dick Doherty's in 
in Boston. It was on like Boylston Street or something. That was your first, first first time. Yeah, I was in college at a legit comedy club. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, basically what happened was I was in college. I just I had to do it. I just like you know those things where you like you know if I don't do it, right, you'll regret it later for the rest in life, of my life. Right. So all my friends drove like two hours from UMass Amherst all the way into the, into the city. Probably 60, 70 people there. And it, it wasn't a bad experience. Obviously, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't rip the ceiling off the place. But yeah, it was still a, an amazing experience. Euphoric, yet also gave me the bug. It's like, man, could you imagine being good at this? Yeah. yeah. You know, as opposed to the crap that, you know, most of you do when you're <clears throat> first year in. Yeah. I think for guys that are comedians that go a long time, they always have like that. It's almost like a timeline in your life, like before you tried stand up and yeah. after. Because like I think we all birth. Yeah, yeah, we all got addicted really quick. And you'll hear of guys, you know, that uh, that took a year off because it was too brutal, you know, before they tried it again. But I think the majority, you know, there's like you know what life was like before. Well, I had a lot of anxiety in college because I I kept telling I kept. I went through four years saying I was going to teach and coach wrestling, but I knew in the back of my mind, that's not what I want to do. And the closer I got to getting my degree, the more I started shitting my pants. Like I'm going to be a fucking teacher. Yeah. You know, like I went and did this teacher aiding thing and it was like for all these sixth and seventh graders. And this was right before I was supposed to enter the school of education. And I was like, which is the final step. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do this. Kids are kids suck. Like, I don't want to do this. So when I listened to that Bill Hicks CD and I changed my major the next day, it was the first time in my Mm -hmm. college career that I was like excited about my future and what, which Hicks CD, which one Uh, rant and D minor. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first one. Because and I've told this story countless times on the podcast, but the first time I heard him, I was just like, "That's the funniest guy I've ever heard." And at that time, I'd never heard of him, which means I can do this for a living, even if I never get famous. Oh, and yeah. and uh, anyway, that was that was what started it for me. And and the first time I actually felt good about what I was gonna do with my uh, with my life and all that. So I was really prepared my first time. Like I, we only got three minutes, and I had my three down like cold. And I had like 11 people from high school come and they gave me applause breaks where I didn't deserve them and all that. Oh, yeah. So by the second time I went up, they like they kept bumping me back in the line. And by the second time, I was already like, I'm getting fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to comedy, sweetie. Let's take that lube off the thing. Yeah. And now it's 19 19 years later and I'm like, I'm still getting fucked. (laughs) (laughs) It never ends. Come on. Let's be honest. Oh, it never ends. No matter what level you get to, like, you'll think like, oh, if I get to... I could just feature all the time, you know, and make, you know, my my friend James. The first time we we worked on the road, I made 150 bucks. He made 500, and Polly Shore made 30 grand. And, <laughs> wow! And I didn't know about I didn't know about the comedy store or anything. This was when I li- was living in Kansas, and and I remember asking my friend James like, "What'd you make this week?" And he'd been doing about 10 years at this point, and he was like 500, and he said it like. Yeah, it sucks. And I was like, you made $500? And he looked at me like, yeah, asshole, I made $500. (laughs) You know. Right now it's a car payment. Yeah. And at the time, I just thought, you made 500 bucks to tell jokes? That's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. It is. I made made 20 bucks my first night at this competition in Reno. Mm -hmm. And it's something just clicked. I was like, you can get paid for this shit? I you still have I mean? the first twenty dollars I ever made. Really? Yeah. When I got paid twenty, I kept it. Why spend it? Yeah. That's, that's more of a monumental thing than anything else. A lot of people have told me that, and I, I wish now that I had <clears throat> I had done that too. But like, 
Just lie to yourself. Pull out a twenty. <laughs> well, for me, it was eight dollars. I made. We we did this thing called Best of Kansas City in in uh, in KC on a Tuesday, and you know it was like my tenth time doing comedy. And some of the op- some of the people that had done well on open mic, they would have a show called the Best of Kansas City, and we got to split the door, and I made eight bucks. And uh, <laughs> not, not not a great door that night, huh? And, and it was the first time that I, I I remember the first seven or eight times I went on stage, it it all went it always went had gone pretty well. Until I got paid for that eight bucks, and then I just ate shit. And I remember having this feeling. I remember thinking, Did you get cocky or something? I got cocky. The eight bucks got to you. Well, I got cocky before <laughs> that. I remember saying to maybe it was a, maybe it was my sister, or maybe it was just talking to myself. I remember thinking like, or saying to her like, you know, I'm always hearing about how hard comedy is, but I don't know if that applies to me. Like, oh. I think I'm just a natural. <laughs> and then as soon as I had That's that, as words, soon though. as I had that thought, I mean, it was like I did a 10-minute set when I made that eight bucks, and I think it was like nine and a half minutes into it before I finally got a laugh, and it was fucking with me hard. I was just like, why? Comedy will check you. Oh, man. It won't check Very you. Much. Even now when I have that thought, if I'm on stage like, this is going really well, well you better get ready for the next five <laughs> minutes the next to joke. suck. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, like, sometimes you have that string of like months of having just great sets, yeah. and then you finally have that one just horrific set and you're in the back of your head going, well, it was bound to happen. Yeah. You almost have to just prepare for it. Like It's inevitable. Or I've had that thought that uh, uh, I quote Jason Dixon all the time because he was pro when i started and and he gave me all this great knowledge but he goes you know you can, you find yourself thinking i might not kill every time but i think i'm done eating it yeah. and as soon as you have that thought you are about to eat shit <laughs> <laughs> oh there's nothing worse man yeah especially as a professional oh yeah do you know what i mean like where you, you know what you can shit. do you, but yeah. you know you know what you're capable of right and then to have a full set of incapable yeah just misery it happens oh god i was in richmond a couple of years ago at the funny bone and and it was a thursday show and dude i i was just pulling teeth for 45 minutes right wow. from right from the start and afterwards, the guy who runs runs the sound was like, "That is the worst crowd I've ever seen in my life here." And I was like, "Well, shit, I'm glad it was, you know." Yeah. And then the rest of the shows were all great. So it's sometimes I hate when I hear comics go, "It's never the crowd's fault." <clears throat> Fuck! It sometimes it's completely their fault. One hundred percent. And sometimes a quiet crowd is having fun. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's just not vocal, mm-hmm. right? Know, not boisterous about it. Because like, like I do another show, comedy cooking show as well, but. It always seems that the crowds that don't like us always buy the most merchandise. Absolutely, and you're like, what? What, what happened here? It's, yep. It, people appreciate things on different levels, and you guys also remember, and this is why I factor in a lot. Is like, people got a lot of shit on their minds. Yep. And granted, we're supposed to take that out of their minds, but you never know what these people are going through. Yeah. So you you can't really judge their reaction to what you're doing, other than, you know, if they come up and you know, for someone to come up to you and give you a compliment on what you did that means a lot because i tell you one thing i don't i don't hand out compliments like confetti i only do it when someone you know earns it or deserves right. it so for them to do it to uh, you know for us i mean they, it means they really like what you're doing yeah so <clears throat> you know you can't really judge by reaction yeah and sometimes you have to remember too like uh, I, I last time i don't watch a, a lot of specials on tv or anything but i did watch Chappelle's, and when he was done i thought man he's he's the best He's the best comic there probably is. And I also realized, but I didn't laugh out loud maybe two or three times. No. I was just enjoying the shit. I was right. just enjoying what he was able to do up there, but I wasn't like, oh, my God. You know, it wasn't like that. Yeah, but even beyond 
laughing out loud, especially specials, because you know comedy is much better live. Yeah. But it's watching him, how he crafts it. It's so yeah. smooth. It's, it's, it's so poignant. It's, yeah. it's, it's intelligent. You know, it's delivered so nicely. And yeah. he really is, you know, I, I watch him and people like David Tell, and I'm just like, I'll never be that. I just never will. But you just marvel at it, you know? Yeah. Enjoy it. And that's what I love so much about Bill Hicks was that he talked about some really controversial shit but he was still funny and that's what a lot of people make the mistake of and i've i like to make points and i like to say things that kind of matter to me but you got to be kind of careful too that you're not just up there preaching because that's not what they came to hear but if you can do it and be funny like hicks did he was one of the best dude that is such a rare talent that he had you know, oh, to talk about things that genuinely mean stuff to you or piss you off or that you have questions about, like the government or whatever. I so wish he was alive. The world needs bro. Bill Hick to talk to Hicks to talk about the shit that's oh, going man. on in this world. Could you right imagine now. him right, with the sensitivity yeah. going on in this country? How yeah. badly he would rip that shit apart. Yeah, and our government and all the shit they the get away president. with and all that. Oy. George Bush Part Two and all that. I mean. He had some of the most... I almost think the government gave him cancer just to shut him Bro, up. Bro, I actually thought that before as yeah. well because he was hitting on some relevant stuff that's still relevant today. Absolutely. And uh, and that's dangerous because he could have mm-hmm. changed the status quo. Yeah. I, I think uh, he's he's the guy that runs InfoWars. Have you heard that conspiracy? I've heard that conspiracy, but I don't you know. I'm ta- you know, have you heard that, I Mike? I have not. No. Alex, what's, what's his name? Alex know? Jones. Alex Jones, yeah. They say that... That's he, that's Bill Hicks. He's doing a character, and he right. put on fifty pounds and pulled some hair out. You know what I mean? How yeah. great would that be if it was revealed? <laughs> if he just to unveiled, that? oh my God, legend, and then killed himself. Yeah, I mean, I mean that like, would be the only way to avoid jail time. I think but. if he was alive, I would, I would just pray that he was still doing stand up. I mean, you know what's so sad? He wasn't even like he was thirty two, but he wasn't even that big in the states. I right. didn't know who he was until after he passed away. Like Bro. until yeah. like I saw a documentary on him. And a lot know? of people still don't know who he is. You bring him up to most people, they don't know. Who but Bill a- every was. list of the best comedians ever, he's always in the top five. Oh, yeah. Unless you're really stupid. Well, yeah. If you don't, whenever you don't I hear comedy. someone say, "I think Bill Hicks was overrated," I just want to. I'm just going like, "Well, then we can't talk it's anymore." Really yet. nice meeting you. Get the fuck. It away. was not <laughs> nice meeting you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <it>. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to hear another fucking word out of your mouth because it's all stupid. Yeah. Especially <laughs> relentless. Was yeah. just for me. Just genius. Like the guy really just knocked it out of the park with that. Yeah. It's been so, it's been a minute since I listened to all his, his, and what a body of work he left behind to be 32 years old and leave behind four full CDs. And there's a lot of stuff you can find that never made it to a CD. 11 Letterman's. I think he had 13 of them. Oh, really? And the last one wasn't seen because he said some shit. That was a good one, yeah. too. Yeah. I went to that thing where his mom was at the... Uh, did you see that here in L.A.? I did, yeah. Yeah, well, that was pretty cool. They uh, kind of talked about not airing that one. And, yeah. And, uh, and She I think, was on Letterman, too. Yeah, and Letterman even... I don't know why he apologized. I don't know why he pulled it in the first place. I don't, re- I don't remember if it was his decision. <laughs> I think it was partially his because he did the apologizing. Yeah. I think oh, he, he did. Made, yeah. I mean, there was some... There, there was some Stuff that could have bothered people, mm-hmm. but what's the purpose of doing comedy if you're not going to ruffle some feathers? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like he had that the 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 people wearing the cross, uh, you know, 
with Jesus and like, well, forgive me. That joke. I mean, yeah. come yeah. on, yeah. that's a genius joke. I think that was on the set. Yeah, that could ruffle some feathers. Let's be honest. I mean, he goes, religions. you think when Jesus comes back, he ever wants to see another fucking cross? <laughs> yeah. He goes, that's like going up to Jackie Onassis with a rifle <laughs> pendant on. Just thinking of. <laughs> Just thinking of John, Jackie. Just thinking of John. I mean, it's a brilliant joke. It's a brilliant joke. Even like his little cheese ball one-liners where he's like, you, you a smoker? I'm up to like three lighters a day. I mean, yeah, yeah. Match, it's just like. <laughs> oh, a pack and a half? Oh, I yeah. go through two lighters a day, dude. Pussy pack and a half. <laughs> That's some good. I mean, it's like a throwaway, but still, it's just uh just his, the darkness of his mind yeah. and able to like weave it into this beautiful quilt of you know genius. Yeah. It really was it's sad that he's gone cuz he would have been he's one of the comics that I think would have transcended his time, you know, like like I don't know if Kinnison would have been as funny if he, you know, got older. Yeah. You don't know what would but with Hicks, you know it would have been genius. Well, throughout. even after Kennison got his fame <clears throat> and started really into the drugs and all that, like I saw some of his later shows, and you could tell that it wasn't—it just wasn't—it wasn't the same. I mean, he was—it's rock and roll comedy, you know. Yeah, that Jesus bit he had. Because I grew up Southern Baptist, and when I saw that bit about nailing Jesus to the cross and all that that he did about you know, ow, 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 <laughs> you know all that He's stuff. On his yeah. hands and knees, just. I, I was like right. 10 or 11 years old, and I I knew that I wasn't supposed to be laughing at yeah. that, yeah. but I couldn't help it. I was like, that is just so funny. You know oh, what yeah. this is? It's sand. You know what it's going to be in 100 years? It's going to be sand! <laughs> you live in a fucking desert! You need to go where the food is! <laughs> Great bit. Great bit. You know what else is great about that story is, or that is he told he told someone, uh, I'm telling this totally secondhand because I didn't know Sam Kennison, but that he did all that material at like in like La Jolla and they just stared at him, and then he went and did five minutes on HBO and came back and did all that material again and they loved him because they'd seen him on TV. Became and, famous. And he told someone he was like, "Dude, it's I'm doing the same thing I did before yeah. that they stared at me about." Yeah. And that's what's annoying about people and just in general. If they see you on that box in your living room, oh, now it's okay that he's saying this off shit, but before he was an asshole. You know, I was just having this conversation with someone else before. It's like, for me, the thrill is not having asses in the seats that are there to see me. The thrill is to have asses in the seats who don't know me, yeah. and you win them over, and they love you. Yeah. That's the thrill. And that's what's so hard about it. When they don't know you and you're still up there killing... That's when you're really doing something. That's that's the thrill. Yeah. Like I open for some pretty big names, so when I go out there, they don't want to see me. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Oh, white dude, or, or what is he doing there?" But you win them over. You just, you know, you're funny. Yeah. And that's the only thing that really like thrills me still. Yeah. Is you know the the asses in the seats thing. I've never built that. I've never wanted that necessarily. It's it's a shame because that's how you make the good money and you know. And, and get all the work, but for me, it's just about being funny and just, regardless of who's in the crowd, you yeah. know, you you got them. They're yours. Yeah, winning them over is my a friend big Dan thing. pointed that out recently on on the podcast. <clears throat> he was like, you know, what we do being like the anonymous headliner is much more difficult than being famous and walking out there and saying, "Hey guys, your city sucks," and they all laugh their ass off, yeah. you know. Or just make up some, you know, whatever. And Let's talk about the movies I did. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they do characters. Like, I worked with a, a dude that was on 
I won't bring up names. I don't think it's important, but he did like a character on a Comedy Central show. And they were just screaming, do so-and-so. And they avoid that because I'm sure that's like a, you know, a nightmare for them. But at the end of the set, they'll throw out a couple lines and the place goes crazy. And no matter mm-hmm. how the rest of your set was before it, they're happy because yep. they saw what mm-hmm. they know. Yeah. You know, so it's, it is easy. But at the same time, you also have famous people who don't just settle like a Chappelle, like yeah. a Bill Burr. You know, where they are constantly just killing the game. Yeah. And bringing their audience, you know, being like, we loved him before, now we even love him more because he's yeah. always bringing us new stuff, the perspective's dead on, and and you just, you know, you're just crushing it, man. Going back to Chappelle, man, he really, I think he impressed a lot of people by his, his end game. You know what I mean? He uh, has some issues with his TV show. Takes about 10 years off. You know what I mean? Well, not, you know. I mean, I mean, he was still performing a little bit, but he was just waiting and writing and, you know, and... Uh, Dude, he had it. Explodes. And that's the power of funny. And sorry to interrupt you, but all these powerful networks that can cut you and blackball you out, and yet they cannot hold you back. Yeah. Right. You just... He made such an imprint in the in society, in the, in the culture of society. That even ten years later, the respect is there. Yeah, and, and when we live in a town of what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Ten years later, he comes back even stronger, yeah. which is a huge fu yeah. to to the the networks that held him back, because now everyone wants to work with him again, and yeah. there's really nothing he, that that they can do about it. When it comes to just going on stage and just essentially looks like he's just talking and being funny. I don't think there's ever been anyone better. No, even better than him. Than, well, probably it was good, but yeah. But there's a smoothness yeah. that is incomparable. Yeah, it doesn't look like stand-up. No. You no. know what I mean? In a traditional <clears throat> sense. And yeah. very, very sharp. Right. Like, there's an underlining meaning behind almost everything he says. Yeah. And not a lot of people have that. A lot of people are just writing the joke to get the laugh. Yeah. As opposed to getting the point across, too, so... Yeah. It's a real, it's something special to watch, and and we're lucky as you know, living in L.A. that we, we pop into the comedy show one night late night, and all of a sudden he pops in and does an hour and a half set, loaded off his ass, and and is as brilliant as he would be on a special. Yeah. So we we get to see these things. Yeah. And it's inspiring. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I was it's hanging inspiring. out with Tim last night, you know, and he was doing a set, and and Dice c- comes in, and it was really it was a nice treat, you know. It was yeah. like, wow, dude, but Dice on a Monday. I mean. I was watching his set the other night. It's so funny to see him kind of like uh, his point of view on society now. Yeah. With, with the tweets and the, you know, he's kind of like trying to catch up with what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it's almost like Dice came out of a time machine, right? <laughs> he's just doing social commentary. That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> and he has to tiptoe around. Very much you, you so. You know, a lot of the subject matter. Oh, he can't be the Dice of back in the day now. No, now but it's, it's kind of there. there. You know, it's kind. He's like treading that vegans? fine line. He's fucking vegan. You know what I yeah. mean? Just he'll just point out little Indian yeah. shit, and it's like ah. No, but some of the stuff he used to say. <laughs> oh, oh, it was never, outrageous. Yeah, and uh, outrageous. I say push the envelope. That's just my opinion. No, I'm, at I'm the with point you. Now I, where it's I, like I, I, I do it too. I, steam ahead. I hate. Uh, I hate when crowds get all sensitive or when they're like, hey, that's not funny. Like, well, sh- shut up, sugar. You were laughing at all that other shit I was saying <coughs> that didn't offend you or yeah. you, you didn't think it should offend you, you know. I've heard people say things that, that are like, you know, 
I've heard, heard comics say things about race or something and someone thinks they're racist and I'm like that's not racist what that guy said before yeah. that you were all laughing so much at mm-hmm. that was racist right. you're just too dumb to know it anyway well no no let's get into this because I, I'm a huge huge advocate of comics not being responsible for, for idiots who misinterpret what we say why are we held responsible for your misinterpretations right do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if I say something with a certain intent, but someone takes it another way, I, why why should I apologize? Right. You should apologize for not getting it or or yeah. not understanding where I was coming from. And when someone says, "Oh, I'm offended," so what? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Be offended and move on with your life. Right. Wh- when did being offended mean now we have to change it? Yeah. What if you were offended and you shouldn't have been offended? What if that's the case? Yeah. Which is mostly the case when someone's offended. Yeah. So just move on with your life. Yeah. Why Why are people like these individuals who are offended all of a sudden a priority? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a lot of people. True. Like I like I went through something. Even like Daniel Tosh when when he did that stupid rape joke is probably like a throwaway thing. And then the girl who was there got upset, but then told her friend, and then her friend blogged about it. And then he was forced to. <laughs> so someone who wasn't there right. didn't even get the context. Got offended on her behalf, even though she wasn't even there to to process it herself. Right. And now you have to apologize? Yeah. Comics are the last people on this planet that should ever apologize for anything they say unless it's just unfunny and wrong beyond laughter. Yeah. But if they don't... I said something last night that was kind of controversial on stage. Not controversial. I don't know how you'd look at it, but... But I go, I go. It's a shame you guys are too dumb to know how funny that is. <laughs> it's a great line, but I'm sure someone got offended. Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah. But you know, whatever. I was like, ah, oh, it's too bad. You're so dumb. Go comics, book. dude. Leave <laughs> comics alone. Do you know what I'm saying? Of all the people, yeah. leave them alone. Yeah. Let them do what they do. I sat in the back last night and watched people. Oh my god, I can't believe it. me. And I'm like, shut the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have friends who tell me like. Half the crowd will love something I say, and the other half will judge it. Yeah. They can see it. But you know what? I'm not looking to please everyone. That's not... You can't. You cannot go into comedy thinking that you're going to be brilliant to everyone. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is believe in what you're saying is funny, and the rest will just fall to the wayside, and then you'll get your crowd. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, that's you very know. true. Because I still struggle with it sometimes, because the guy who essentially didn't teach me comedy but he gave me a lot of advice coming up i go what do i need to do to headline he goes i need to laugh every 15 seconds for 45 minutes and i'm proud of the fact that i can do that now with a good audience but there are some nights where i you know when when you say things that are kind of controversial or something that bothers you or whatever and they don't laugh there's a part of me inside that's like "Ah, i really want them to like like that and laugh at that but but you are never, ever, ever going to please everyone. Ever. No. Ever. I mean, how many times during your set did you say something that you thought was hilarious and then didn't get a laugh, and then you said another joke that you don't really love, and all of a sudden it killed, and you're like, what the hell's happening? Here? Yeah. And you just never know. You're just tossing it out there, man. It's like Drake when I were talking about on the way down here. We were like, have you ever been in the feature spot and killed, and then you go up, and there's some hack horrible headliner after you, and they kill too, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, shit. Devalidates. You, you, yeah. It's like, <laughs> like you laugh at anything. Yeah. 
Oh, bro, I, I, I did those on those triple runs back in the day. Did you ever do those triple runs? Oh, yeah. I did I one. About a couple of times. I did one, but I got in bro. trouble. You did. Well, that's pretty much how everyone ends their triple run experiences. I still hey. do them from time to time. Uh, and I and I was getting an email. You can tell you're on a good triple run when, like, the opening to the email is like, hey, don't make fun of the venue or the hotel that we're staying at. Because for years, that's 10 minutes oh, of please. good shit. That'll be my whole set. You know? Yeah. But uh, I remember, <laughs> I'll never forget this. Tri- Triple puts me on a run. He's like, oh, dude, this headliner doesn't have a car. You have to pick him up. I, I, was, I was like, okay. That was the first red flag. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you got to pick him up. So I'm doing 800 miles with this guy oh in my, my car God. that I don't know, right? Yeah. P- perfect start to a... Uh, four or five day run so yeah this guy gets in the car he's older (laughs) all right and he has this big jug wrapped in like a paper like a paper bag and i'm like i go bro what's this it was like the cheapest wine you could possibly like a jug like a jug like you could use it as an instrument afterwards yeah yeah. so he gets in and he's swigging bro and getting getting sloppy that's why he doesn't have a car bro getting sloppy like the stuff coming out, he was talking to himself, and I'm not, dude. I'm not making this up. This is like, he started talking to a sock puppet. He put a sock <laughs> in his arm, and he started like, Mike doesn't like you. And I'm driving on. I'm gonna kick this guy out of my fucking car. Oh yeah. In about one mile. Yeah. I still had like 600 miles left to this goddamn trip. You're yeah. already annoyed, <clears throat> bro. This guy starts crying. Grown oh man. Dude, I pulled over to get gas. I called Tribble. Go, dude. You better. This guy better find a Greyhound bus station because this is over. What happened? What happened? I go. I'm not getting into it. Yeah. But you're not gonna put me in this car with a psychopath. Yeah. This guy gets on stage. The biggest hack on the planet. Yeah. Killing. Yeah. And he's just like, what is going on? <laughs> on these yeah. runs and the, like these people that make a living off these runs, you're just like subhuman. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I had a similar story, not not to that extent, but I showed up. I was very very new to comedy, and I showed up to this gig, and it was like just this horrible shit one nighter. And they get in the headliner. It was like one of those where you, they had like a makeshift stage and like a Mister Microphone. Like the the cord was so short that if you moved too far to the left, it unplugged from the <laughs> from the karaoke machine, kind of a thing. And I'd only been doing comedy like six months, so even then I was like, God, this is a shitty gig, you know. Yeah. And this guy, the headliner, walks in and he just he just reeked of booze, and his clothes were all wrinkly, and he'd been like staying in his clothes. And it was one of those gigs where they give you like the syllabus beforehand, and it and it said what we were both making. So I knew he was making 175 bucks. He'd been doing comedy 20 years, and and I remember thinking that's also one of the goals not to end up like this fucking guy, mm-hmm. because yeah, he's still doing comedy after 20 years, but he's sleeping in his car. He's yeah. got all his clothes are wrinkled up. He's drunk. 175. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 175. You know he's driving like nine hours to the oh. next gig to make his next 175. I'm like, that's you might as well just work at fucking McDonald's, bro. You know, you know, it's over. Yeah, call it, call it a day, man. <laughs> I mean, you're not in that. That's not, you know, the only the, benefits like like when I was a younger man and I was doing these runs was the travel. Right, you just travel on someone else's dime, so to speak. You kind of see the world, mm-hmm. and you kind of start to appreciate that. You know, you start to learn your worth. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I drove nine hours once from like Montana down to the bottom of Oregon, and I get there, and 
and I, within 10 seconds of being on the stage, I was heckled by a bunch of college kids throughout mm-hmm. my whole set. Mm-hmm. So I drove basically nine miles to be, to be, to bomb. Yeah. It's like, that will really sharpen up your self-worth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, what am I doing? What, what, why did this just happen? Yeah. You know, and, and to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. There, and there's a lot of power in saying no. Oh, yeah. To, to gigs. Booker's no, oh, I can't ask this guy to do this bullshit. Um, Rich Miller, Dave, or uh, Dennis, Rich, Mi- Dennis yeah. Miller's brother, he was a booker. I don't know if he's still a booker or not, but he called me. When I'd been driving. I'd done it a couple times, driven from KC to Baton Rouge, 15 hours for 400 bucks at a funny bone. <sighs> and at the time, I was like, well, you're working for Rich Miller. That's cool as shit, you know. And uh, I almost died on one of those gigs, actually. A little side note. I was <laughs> I was driving there. Chris Porter had that. He was like, leave at midnight. And that way, when 6 a.m. rolls around, the sun comes up and you feel all revitalized. And at the time, it made sense to me. <laughs> so I followed this stupid <laughs> advice. <laughs> and I'm, I'm driving You'll my hit car. hit your sixth wind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving my car. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm literally plowing through a cornfield. My... my, <laughs> my <laughs> <laughs> my my Honda Accord is just getting whap 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 oh, yeah. whap and my thought as a crazy young ass comedian my my first thought was not I'm going to fucking die it was I'm going to miss my first Rich Miller gig <laughs> anyway would have been the, a blessing yeah the, the the room was fun but it was just way too far for that money and he called me to do it again and I go hey man um you know I love working for you but uh I it, it just by the time I get all the way down there and back and buy a couple of sandwiches <laughs> i'm literally not making any money he goes yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense does it all right thanks timmy and i hung up and i was kind of like ah, fuck i just told rich miller no well he called me two weeks later with some headline work and i'm like oh yeah. you say no <laughs> they realize right. you know because they'll tell you i tell <laughs> mcs this all the time i'm like dude you have to ask them to move you up to feature because it's hard to find a good MC, and if you're a good MC and you're okay with MCing, they will keep you in that spot Forever. for as long as you will let them. Yeah. So just say, no, nah, I can't come back for that. And yeah. it's scary, but it'll be worth it in the long run. Well, it's also like hitting on a girl. You know, like if a, you know, you show no attention to the girl you want to hook up with, all of a sudden she's all over you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, you know, you always want to be. Yeah. You know, chased so yeah. to speak. Yeah. It's it's very very similar. Yeah. Um, I have this act, this joke in my act where I talk about having a Jedi mind trick a girl, and then I'll go, "Isn't that right, fat ass?" I'm talking to the, this, I'll pick the hottest girl I can find, and then I'll go, and then I'll do that little line, and then I'll go, "Isn't that right, fat ass?" And before I got married, sugar, um, those girls, <laughs> those girls wow. would always come up to me and you know give me their number, or sometimes mm-hmm. we'd make out or something, or <clears throat> or we wouldn't, but. It's kind of scary how, you know, it makes me not want to have a daughter. <laughs> Bro, that's why every time I see a buddy who's having a daughter, I was just like, ooh, yeah. how are you going to deal with that? Because that's a whole different animal. It's a yeah. full, I mean, it's a, it, being a parent's a full-time job, period, but to raising a good girl, it is, Oof. you've really got to be a good dad in Dude, order to have a good girl. awful to raise a kid now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when they become yeah. like a teen in the next 10 15 years yeah what it's gonna be like it's not gonna get better yeah this society is not sharpening up it's getting dumber it's, the tension spins getting smaller yeah and the people are getting more sensitive 
and it's basically ruining everything that's good in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's Sorry, a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of truth to that, and and we're gonna have a kid sooner than later, and it it does scare me. You know, like I want to have a child <clears throat> and all that, and I think I think I'll be a good dad because I had a pretty shitty one, but um, I'll just do whatever whatever my dad didn't do taught me. I'll just do the opposite, right? And, and I'll be all right. Is it that bad? <laughs> Uh yeah, there is a lot of yeah. My hand. Did you get along good with your dad? Well, no, my dad was an alcoholic that beat our kids, but I was adopted and and uh, and went in with some great great families. Yeah, my families, my family that I got adopted to was just amazing. Good, oh, so, good so people. How old were you when you got adopted? Five. My mom passed away when I was like ten months old, so I okay. didn't have a lot of face time with her that I remember. Yeah. But my dad, I think. Because my mother had passed away and we had three kids, I'm not gonna get too deep into this, but right. um, I let's think let's bring the podcast down for a while. <laughs> it was pretty down to begin with. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but it was basically a single dad with three kids and and, and drinking problems and frustration yeah. and anger and probably pissed off that she left him with all this responsibility when he probably wanted to go drinking with the boys. Yeah, you know so. <clears throat> I get the bad father thing, but I got lucky. I got, you know, when I was adopted, I got Scooped good up people. By some good people. Yeah, they're good people. Yeah, like solid individuals, funny, yeah, caring, open-minded. That let me go in a stand-up. They're like, you get good grades, you do what you want with your life. Yeah, and I did, you know, and they were supportive the whole way. Yeah, yeah it's good to have that support, man. My, I, my I parents had... are real supportive. Were they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, of comedy now, you know what I mean? Yeah. 31 years old getting into comedy and they're fucking really supportive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you think they'd be like, why don't you get a job? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And get some stability in life. And everything. Yeah. They get a kick out of me on stage and shit. You know? Well, yeah. that's the thing that changed my parents' mind is like, they were like, okay, do your thing. They were probably thinking, all right, he'll fail. Yeah, and, he'll, yeah. he'll try it out for a while. And then when they saw me at a, you know, prime moment, they were like, holy shit, this is... Le- yeah. he's legit i've seen big names and you're just as you know it's funny yeah. and that's when it became real you know when people are walking up to your parents saying hello after shows that's yeah. you know that's when it all turned for them you did know? you go ahead and graduate college yeah i graduated okay. yeah a couple degrees and that was the deal i made a deal with my parents finish school and then do what you want yeah. so i was a smart kid i breezed through college yeah you know and just as soon as that day was done, you get the diploma. Yeah, I pretty much jumped in the car and came out here. Said, really? you know, fuck it, let's see what happens. Yeah, and from then on, it's been a failure. <laughs> it's just been a real kick in the fucking nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, my mom was always really supportive, and, and and you know there were certain things about my dad that were all right, but my mom balanced it out as far as she was always supportive and love me no matter what you know and and i was the first person to go to college and all that stuff but i didn't do shit with my degree i mean literally nothing i got a job at a restaurant i knew i was going to be a comedian and they were really cool about it the job i had and at the two-year mark um that restaurant closed down and i was making a few hundred bucks a week featuring and emceeing and that's been 17 years i've never had another day job since i I think i think parents just assume you're gonna fail yeah because it is one of those industries that like probably 98 percent of the people who do it and maybe even higher just end up falling on the wayside i bet it's more than that because because it's more rare to do this for a living than it is be a professional athlete and doctor and brain surgeon and yeah 
Or yeah, at least be I mean, really good at it. How many uh, professional comedians out there that <clears throat> make their living 100% you know, through comedy? It's, I would, it's not I would guess and say 20, 25,000, maybe? Maybe. Around the world? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Around the world, yeah. But that, yeah, yeah I, I don't even know if there'd be that many. I mean, and, and like you... There's a like lot you, of work out there. And, yeah, that's true. Like you touched on, though, or maybe Drake said it, there's a lot of people who claim they're comedians... And sure. Change but the Facebook status, and most boom, of those comedian. people yeah. just uh, paying your just bills is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. You know, you're not a comedian because you did an open mic. You know, putting a bandaid on my niece's knee doesn't make me a doctor, butthole. And I shouldn't go around saying I'm a doctor. I just put a bandaid on my just niece's healed knee. knee. Yeah. Just cured yeah. that. The knee. only place where that applies is if you have sex on camera. And you're a porn star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the only time when you can do things once and be. <laughs> a professional at it. <laughs> Good. Maybe I'll upload that video of me jerking Please off. Please do. I've been waiting for that one, Drake. POV. I'm a porn can, star can, now. Can I tell a story? This is awful, Please. but I have like it's not a bit, but it's obviously going to turn into one because it just happened the other day. So uncomfortably, <laughs> I'm on my couch, depressed, alone, beating off the other day, <laughs> and uh, sweating the whole thing. Sad, sad <laughs> moment. So. <clears throat> This isn't a bit, I swear. I'm not pulling this, but um, so you know, I'm doing the thing, and you know, filthy porn going on in my on my cell phone, and I'm just about to you know finish it up, and my dog comes over and starts licking my foot, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> bad girl, you know, bad girl, and it turned into bad girl. <laughs> Because it was, you know, my dog licks my feet because I always wear sneakers without socks. And, you know, it's probably vinegary and the dog, you know, dog's a filthy animal. So they just taste anything shitty. But when she started licking it, I was like, oh, should I aim it? I was just about to fin- Dude. It was fucking hot. <laughs> but I did finish, and it was I felt guilty. I had to put the dog in a separate room for the uh, couple. So you punished the dog for what you did, huh? I punished. I, I, I don't know what to do. I was confused. The, the point is. I think that's that where happened. bestiality starts. That's what I was going to say. Is like, I Am I a part of that, that industry I'm, now? I just want to say I'm offended by all of this. <laughs> Good. And, <laughs> she meet my dog. I was offended for her. Um, but that whole thing is like, I can't believe that shit See, if you happened. start setting up that scenario on purpose, then you might have a right. problem. Right. That's, that's what I want to say is like, I didn't, I didn't direct this. I didn't say, okay, Coco, come in. <laughs> Your dog's name's Just Coco. Coco. Lick my feet. <laughs> and then lick your feet. No, no, no. Slower. Passionate lickies. Passionate. Yeah, that's when you, you know, got to start I'm not going directing. to support group or something. Uh, but God, I had that swifter <laughs> on the roof. Just, I mean, I hit it hard, man. I think you know, as we get older, uh, you know, sorry, like, I, we become a little bit more uh, experimental. <laughs> it was an experiment. Cut the, don't put in that category. It was ex, it was serendipitous. It was Let's a, just put it that. Was, I like to make eye contact like, with well, dogs. There's I mean, a lot of that. Know, just <laughs> stare right at them as I'm jerking off. Uh, just to see put the paw on and tape it. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that took a strange turn, huh? I don't think my mom listens to this, but I hope, <laughs> I hope my dog doesn't listen to this. <laughs> uh, I gotta tell another story. That was supposed to be between us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got a uh, Malacan cockatoo. You know those? Oh yeah, big ass peach big one. bird. Yeah, Lo- one of the loudest birds on the planet. Yeah, it's so, just sit on your arm. It's so big. Go ahead. That's the thing. It's like it's huge. Yeah. I used to have it on my shoulder all the time. <clears throat> so when we bought it, the guy could barely speak English. He's like, it's a male, under one years old, 
you know, beautiful bird, lived 90 years. Right. So my, my lady and I took a trip, like a little vacation, and we had to board the bird because we're not taking a fucking bird right. on vacation, man. <laughs> okay, so we go in. You have to get it vaccinated, tested, all that stuff. So we go in, and I had the bird on my shoulder because the bird never left my shoulder. Well, I walk in, the doctor's like, okay, we got issues. <laughs> and I go, oh, what's up? He goes, the bird should never be on your shoulder. And I said, why? Because it's forming an intimacy with you. Obviously, this bad bird is highly attached to you. And I said, is that a bad thing? I mean, your pets are supposed to love right. you. So what's the, you know, what's the big deal? They're like, this is, first of all, it's a female, right? And I said, well, it was told us it was a male, but the other day it laid an egg. Do males lay eggs? He's like, no. He goes, you know why it laid an egg? I go, why? Because it's trying to mate with you. Wow. And I go, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? <laughs> so basically... I would have the bird on my chest and, you know, you rub the bird, you know, you fuck, it's a pet. You, yeah. you rub the thing. He's like, no, that's telling the bird you want to fuck. <laughs> I'm like, doc, what the hell's going on? Wow. He's like, it's sexy time. When you rub, like yeah. you're touching its skin. And, Cause I always wondered the bird would always yeah. go by my by shoulder and like gyrate. And, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I thought it was just hugging me, showing affection. He's like, no, this bird <laughs> wanted to get down. That was your me too moment. You didn't Bro. Even know. <laughs> so long story short, there's a whole different regimen. No more shoulder, no more no, no more laying eggs. No more no more sexy time. All right. I don't touch the bird. I touch it on the head every once in a while, give it a treat and send it right back in its fucking cage. But So birds don't need <clears throat> to have sex in order to have a yeah, they can lay. Well, dude, chickens lay eggs, right? But they're not unless they're fertilized. They're just an egg. So that thing was sitting on the egg for like three months, and I'm like, "What do I do with the fucking egg?" He's like, "Toss that shit. Let the let the bird know it's not you know, it's not laying. It's not hatching, man." So I didn't do. I didn't know any of this. This was never taught to you. Threw away your love child. That's kind of fucked up. Well, I beat off with it first. Oh man, this took a real serious turn. <laughs> but having these, like, I had no idea. There's no like instructional pamphlet on this. You know, you take the bird home, you show it love, and right. you expect it. To, and it was a male. It was told it was a male. So I didn't. Think, I was just like, you know, being a. Dude, there's a lot to learn when it comes to pets. Yeah. What do, what do you uh, feed the bird? Uh, all types His of stuff. Penis. <laughs> Apparently, my meat puppet. <laughs> Now, uh, I mean, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, rice, chicken, you know, just as long as it's not like too seasoned. Or, right. And then pellets. <clears throat> the good uh, people at Twitch had no idea what they were in for. No. <laughs> oh, no. Shoot. I forgot Twitch. Yeah. We're streaming live to Twitch I'm right now. I, I get so into the no, conversation. No, man. It's oh, yeah. fine. That's what this is supposed to be for. I've, we, I thought the whole live thing was going to bother me, but I haven't even really thought no. about it. I, I don't think it. When I do these podcasts, man, it's just I'm just enjoying a conversation with my friends. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, if you're not, if you're trying to do something different, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I did one with Steve Simone once. It was just like, you know, it's just I hadn't seen him in a while. We hadn't talked. It was just like catching up with a buddy, basically. Yeah. Those are the and best kind of podcasts, you know? You're just supposed to, you're just supposed to talk about shit and... and there was something we were, we were talking about with the open micers and all that a few minutes ago. Oh, it drives me crazy when, oh, yeah. uh, when, when you tell someone like, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you do for a living or whatever? And you're like, I'm a comedian. And I'm like, oh, my cousin, my brother does that. And you're like, eh, not really. Your brother did an open mic. <laughs> your brother doesn't do what I do. You know, like it's it's insulting. Oh, dude, it's fucking insulting when someone's like, oh, my cousin does that. Same thing happened. I was at a. Uh, what was it called? Like a wood fire grill. Mm-hmm. And the waitress came over and she was cute. I'm like, you should come to a comedy show. She goes, oh, the uh, 
the, the, the other waitress does comedy too. And I'm like, at the Woodfire yeah. Grill? Yeah. yeah. On Tuesday? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking But that's the thing, man. You do it once, and all of a sudden, you put that as your Facebook uh, occupation. And and if and if you're good at it, you make it look easy, so everyone's like, I could do that. He's yeah. just up there talking. It's like, all right, give it a shot, dickhead. Get up there and see what it's like <laughs> when those lights hit you, yeah. and you've never held the microphone yeah. and all that. And, and you people, hear your voice in yeah, the Yeah, in the system. microphone. I, when I... Oh, shit. Like, when I started out, I, I wanted to be prepared for that, so I bought a little uh, amplifier, and I, like, practiced in my oh, room, cool. talking into it, you know, because like, I knew that it was going to be different. And this guy told me, he goes, I went to this, uh, it was like a workshop for comics, and, and I was really nervous about it, and then I saw some of the guys trying to do it, and I'm like, well... If nothing else, I'm I'm not going to be as bad as these fucking yeah. guys. That's what. And uh, go ahead. That gave me a lot of confidence to to do it. And he goes and and the only thing he really taught me was uh, be wary of you're going to want to look at the microphone when it's in your hand. He goes, there's a tendency to to want to the first time you get on, you want to look at it. <clears throat> and so maybe that's true or not, but I was conscious of it, so I never did. But hmm. anyway, I don't think I've ever done that. I, I, it took me about six months to work up the nerve to try it, and uh, I just went down. I would go, and I would just watch and just study, mm. and the biggest thing that I saw that uh, new people would do was not know how to interact with the microphone. So they'd either leave it in the stand, mm-hmm. or they would be too far away or too or close. Leave, or leave or the stand leave right the stand there. there the entire time they do their act i'm like yeah, I, I, yeah. so I'm, I ju- wanted... I'm just in my head i'm like move that fucking yeah. stand yeah behind you it works for some guys you know but for me i wanted to take it out and look like a professional when they you know move, well, move it out of the way yeah there's a like 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 if the cord's wrapped up or whatever you don't want to struggle with it you want to take your time and unwrap yeah yeah it yeah and, get the stool out of the way or whatever and the all that little stuff whether the crowd realizes it or not makes you look uh, like a professional like if you go up and you're fumbling with the mic stand and the fucking yeah. everything well <laughs> what do i do here oh shit i don't the cord you know you look like an asshole yeah. <laughs> but if you just take your time take that 30 40 seconds however long it takes me like jesus christ you know yeah, that, get comfortable you're gonna yeah. be there for a while yeah that little <clears throat> stuff is uh even the way that people hold their mic like some people put their hands over the actual mic itself some people hold it like at the string, yeah. It's like yeah. it's almost an art form in itself. Uh, yeah. the way you hold it, right, and, or, or how close you bring it. Yeah, because some people do that muffled thing, like, like yeah. close, and then they hold people. it like a rapper. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's all part of the the voice, I guess. The even style. guy, even guys I saw here last night that I know have been doing comedy a long time. They were like, they were like way back here, and they're kind of mumbling. And I'm like, dude, no one can fucking hear you. Yeah. Like, speak up. Yeah. That's an that's an amplication device. <laughs> let it amplify. <laughs> yeah, I, let it do its job. <laughs> or same same goes for guys who scream into the mic. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. You're yeah, hurting see, my ears. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned that it it uh, it helps and it it's better for effect if you back up and scream. Sure. If, if, you're gonna, if you go if you're inside, scream, it ah, fucks people up. Oh, absolutely. I've never. I don't think I've ever screamed on stage unless I was getting ready to get in a fight with some crowd. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I've ever actually screamed something on stage. But there's a lot of guys who do that. There's blah 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 blah. Or do you ever see audiences who don't realize a comic's not funny? They're just loud and fast. You know, yeah, they just Jedi mind trick them, and they're like, "You really? I just want to go." You guys realize he's not actually saying anything, right? <laughs> he's just putting a lot of energy into his bullshit. Mm-hmm. 
but there's a lot of crowds. Oh, he's got so I much, do. and he's he's high energy. Can you follow uh, him? He's high energy. Yeah, he sucks. I'll be fine. I did that. I write jokes. I, I did this. that for a long time because of my background in the wrestling business. So I would just kind of come up, hey, what's going on, everybody, and just kind of be goofy. And yeah. then uh, I get a spot at the Laugh Factory or, or the Catch Rising Star in Reno, and uh, my buddy Dave pulled me aside and he goes. Hey, man, that was pretty good, but you need some jokes, you know? And I was like, what are you talking about? I was just up helped. there for 10 minutes, man. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but you didn't have any jokes. It took me a while to figure out, like, what he meant, you know? Right, yeah. But then, yeah, I stopped uh, fucking. Brian Burgess told me about the mic, mic cord. He goes, Gaither, don't hold the mic cord. Comics don't hold the mic cord. Singers hold the mic cord. <laughs> and I never held it again because I, I would hold it. it. No, I would just I would just hold it. And he was and 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 then <laughs> anytime he was in the back of the room and some comic was on the stage just molesting that mic cord, <laughs> he'd be like, "Feelings, nothing more than feelings." <laughs> it was the funniest shit. You know, it was great. That's what I love about this business mostly is that we're literally <laughs> surrounded by the funniest people oh, yeah. probably on the planet. And just to have a bunch of them together, uh, you just never know what's going to be said, done, or happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really, it's 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 a real honor to just be able to have your nights off and just kind of yeah, be there. And it's fun to be in the back of the room with somebody like, like the last time I saw you, we were in the back of the room, and there was a comic that... He started into a really hacky bit, and I looked at you and I go, "I gotta leave." <laughs> and 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 he and you laughed your ass off, and it was and it was like because it was like because he gets it, he knows what the fuck. Oh. I, and I didn't even have to say, I didn't have to bag on the guy's bit, I didn't have to be like, I just looked at looked at Mike, and I was like, I gotta go. To one of my, <laughs> I've heard enough. <laughs> one of one of my favorite moments. It was a similar thing like that. It was me and uh, you know Rusty Dooley. Yeah, <clears throat> we're in the back, and this guy. Um, I won't even bring his name up, but he's a friend of ours, and he was a pretty bad comic. Mm -hmm. And he was doing this bit, and it was bombing. And then he stopped. He like got startled by something, and he goes, "Where was I?" And my buddy yells out, "You were bombing!" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's right." And he went right back into his material again. Bro, I died. I, you know, because he was. He was literally. You stopped yourself because you were bombing, and uh, it was just great. Like uh, yeah. the back of the room and the hangout itself is almost better than the stage time yeah and, and, for me at least and especially out here in la where there's <clears throat> there's there's a lot of good comics but there's way more shitty ones and <laughs> and some so of them true. some of them are so bad that when they get a laugh it throws them like, like oh, whoa what happened what are you doing out there i've never heard that before <laughs> or they're so good at eating shit that they can just stand there and eat it and you're like oh God, he doesn't yeah, that's know a it. skill they in don't, itself. They don't even know how terrible they're doing yeah. right now because they're used, so used to doing terrible. Yeah, and then like, I killed. <laughs> Off stage. There was a girl it. the other night I was up here. It's been a long time ago, actually a few months. But she was up there, and I don't think she got a laugh the entire act. And she came off stage, and she said to her friend, that was great, I really needed that. And I wanted to go. <laughs> and I humbled? It was all I could do to not say, if I had that kind of set, I would <laughs> fucking kill myself. And you you thought that was like therapy? Like you feel good about yourself now? Oh, uh, sugar. I needed You're that. so terrible. To convince me to kill myself. <laughs> I really needed that last step. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. How long have we been talking anyway? I don't, I don't know, know what time is it. This has like easily been one of the best podcasts. Oh, it's it's about an hour or so. You just let it flow, man. 
Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. It's like you and I like bumping fucking boats in the night. You never know when you're going to be in town, when I'm going to be in town. And, you know, whenever I see people that I don't see in a while, it's like it's real refreshing, man. Because yeah. I know you're out there fucking, you know, doing it. And and same with you. I mean, we, we randomly met in Vegas. And yeah, yeah. Had well, a good time. I, well, that's what I like about comedy, man, is that you can spend a day or so with somebody. And if you click, you just click. Yeah, and you can go six months, a year without saying, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Well, and it's getting you more know? rare all the time. Yeah. But I like when I see people or meet people or that actually get it. Like if I'm pissed off about something that happened in the show, like if I come off stage and I'm like, "That bitch wouldn't shut up the whole time up front," or they, they're the the guy in the back, the guy in the sound booth was turning my mic up way too too loud and all this, and they look at me like. Some comics will look at me like, "What are you? What are you so mad about?" And I'm like, "Cause I know how this shit is supposed to be. Right. It's all in the details. And when other people don't give a shit about the details, it drives me up a fucking wall. Like, yeah. you know, like the things I just said." Listen, this is uh, I was helping a friend. She was getting into comedy, and she mm-hmm. asked me. She's like, "Can you can you mentor me in a way? Like, give me advice?" And I was I'm always happy to do that. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "Come to this open mic," and I go, "I really don't do the mo- open mics. I just I never really did that scene. Um, and and when I had been in that environment, I think sometimes it's just not conducive to right. learning comedy. I agree. So I went to this one. And I watched her, and people were talking on the side, and I got really mad because it's like it's it, it really sets up. Um, your lack of confidence to go up there because you're like, I have to shut these people up to get these people to listen. And then mm-hmm. when they finally listen, I don't even have the jokes to tell them yeah. to even laugh. So I'm watching her and she did all right. She did a good job with respect to like talking to these people and telling them, Hey, you know, give me a shot. And she's like, why don't you go up? And I'm like, I'm good. You know, this is not right. my place. People are here to do it. And she's like, no, go up. And I go, I just don't, I just don't think it's, I rather the people who came here to do comedy go up. And then the, the guy who booked it was like, "Will you go up and do a little bit?" And I felt bad, like, and I was like, "All right, I'll go up." And I went up, and for whatever reason, people immediately shut up. It's it's that presence, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't even know you have. They immediately shut up. They laughed hard at all the jokes. And then when I got off, I, you know, I kind of felt weird because it's like I felt like I invaded their space in mm-hmm. a sense. Yeah. But what I didn't realize is that they saw what they wanted right. to become. Yeah. And they got excited because, like, holy shit, that's, that's how it's done. Right. Yeah. That's what I want to do. So in a way, I feel like um, as much as I hate doing that, I feel like you have to go out there and do that. It, it will sharpen you. Um, you'll be able to you know, work out your stuff. But also give these guys a little perspective. Because yeah. some of these people go up and they don't have jokes. Yeah. And they're ranting and they're you know, doing the thing. And they're never going to learn comedy unless they actually see it. Yeah. You know? Like, when I first, I got a job here, <coughs> Dorman. Now, I was watching comics, but they weren't great. Right. But I was watching good jokes and, and, and veterans and craft, you know, craftiness of it all. And that's like the university of comedy. When you're watching people who know what they're doing, I feel bad for the ones who just go up there and just say, hey, you know, I'm just going to do comedy and figure it out. It's like you're never going to figure it out unless you've watched the people who are actually doing it, like, for real. Yeah. So that that scene out there is tough. Yeah, that open mic scene is like, it, you can you can really learn the wrong way yeah. to do comedy. It's freaking brutal. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it it really uh, hurts my motivation out here because you know, tough, man. Uh, it, it, you can if you're motivated, you can get to like three a night, 
Yeah. But they're 45 minutes apart, and 50 people might be sitting there. Maybe. Maybe. You'll be Maybe. lucky as shit if Dude, there's 50, 50 people. Right? Yeah, what open mics are 50, you doing? You mean 50 in total <laughs> of all <Yeah>. three. <laughs> 37 <laughs> of them are comics, yeah. or think they're comics. Right. And yeah. it's 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 brutal to get the stage time, but... uh. I don't know how anyone actually did. You you kind of started here, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I did. You know, I came out here, and uh, I, I get a funny story if we have time. But um, uh, and then yeah, I got the job here. I had I had done a couple sets around town uh, with my friends in the audience. That whole thing because I worked at CAA at the time, and and people really liked me at that at that company. So they, they would come and support when I was first starting out, and nice. and they were the ones like, hey, you know, you should do it. So. <clears throat> So I started setting up my own shows, like opening up before bands and um, and just, you know, doing sets in between band sets. Yeah, right. Wow. And, uh, and just kind of trying to figure it out, you know, and but having that support system of, of friends in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had come here a thousand times, scared, hanging out, not really like interacting or mingling, just kind of like trying to take it in. Yeah. And um, and finally, I, I got that balls. I, I I got fired from a job that I hated. I was working as like an assistant for a literary agent, and I, and yeah. he, he fired me because I did everything I could to get fired. Right, he was <laughs> at his last leg, you know. The day I got fired, I just drove right to the comedy store and I said, "Hey, man, you know, I've been here a thousand fucking times. Just hire me." Yeah. And then luckily, Mitzi was sitting in a booth, and she goes, "Who are you?" And instead of being, you know, shy, you know, not jumping on the opportunity to meet Mitzi or talk to her, I said, I'm Mike Faverman. I'm from Boston. She said, you a comic? I wasn't really, but I was like, sure. <laughs> what, do you want a job here? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay, go upstairs, tell Corey. And I was like, what? Wow. Yeah. Just like that. God, I wish I could have met her. <clears throat> oh, you never met her? Well, she passed me, but I never actually got to meet really? her. Really? Dude, that's yeah. a huge. Honor. I always, I always say that it's like being passed here at the store is one thing, but being passed by Mitzi is yeah. a whole different. I was one of the last people that got passed by. That's her. great. Yeah, yeah, I got passed. When were you? Two thousand what? Uh, I honestly don't know. It was about eight or nine years ago. Okay. When I, about I, I got lucky in in how quickly I got uh, a showcase, and then uh, and I and I got passed the first time too, which is oh wow, dude, yeah. anomaly, it really yeah, is. It doesn't happen very often, and so she was the last. I, but I never actually got to have a conversation with her or anything, which just sucks. I tell you one thing: the most intimidating person to this day that I've ever been around. Really? Oh man, I mean, she would just shred you with one line. Yeah. Hi, Mitzi. Good to see you. What do you want? Like just putty mouth. One time, I was sitting in the in the van in front of the comedy store. I was walking by. Hey, Mitzi, how are you? You doing good? Who are you? <laughs> I've already been passed. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah. You know, I just, at that point, I was like, I, just walk away, man. Yeah. Right. What, what are you going to say? You know? Yeah. So, but there was also some good moments. And the night I got passed, you know, I got off stage. I did really well. And I walked by. And sometimes, you, you know, when, you, when you, walk, you get off stage and you either walk by her or you stop. You, you don't know what to do. You know, you hope that she welcomes you over, like almost like a Johnny Carson. I was like, hey, come over to the, to the chair. So I had a really good set. I walked up and she looked up and I was guessing that's, you know, and uh, that was her invitation to come over and say something. And she was like, great job, great job. And then I just walked away and I was like, you know, at that point, the nerves and the the moment, everything was just kind of like caught up with me. And um, I walked out and 
I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. What a feeling. Yeah. You know? And I always took every... Sorry to talk so much. No, no. I always took every opportunity. (laughs) Everyone was afraid to go up in front of Mitzi. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, no, if I fuck up, I'll never get stage time. I always was like, put me up in front of Mitzi. Yeah. Because I felt like that was an opportunity to impress her again. Yeah. And say, oh, he's evolving. Oh, he's still funny. Yeah. Oh, let's let's wor- let's work him into the rotation. Yeah. And for a while, I was getting those nice primetime smuts. Yeah. And then she stopped booking it. Yeah. And slowly down the ladder, but feel very blessed and very like honored to even be on those lists. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's a pretty exciting thing because when I first got to this town, the fr- one of the first things I did was walk into this building because there's no security. Mm-hmm. And I walked on that main room stage with nobody in the room, black as night in there, and said, one day I'll be on the stage, thinking, like, probably won't happen. Yeah. But it did. And greater things have come since then. And, you know, you reach your goals and you make new ones. And I used to go up to the uh, – I started in Stanford Sons in Kansas City, and I would go up there and sneak in, and, and I would just grab the microphone, and I would just walk around on the stage. I wouldn't say anything. I would just yeah. kind of practice just walking around and just being like, this doesn't have to be so intimidating, you know? Yeah. And that kind of stuff helped me, you know, because I always had nerves and, and all that, and the more prepared I'm, I am, the less nervous I get. So, yeah. yeah I do you ever have those moments where you're on stage and you kind of like, it's kind of like almost see yourself on stage? Like, what what is that? There's a term for that, like. Is it deja vu? No, like out of body experience. Like experience yeah. <laughs> and just thinking, like, how did I get here? Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're yeah. doing well and all that. Especially when you're doing well and you're looking out and you see those faces. Yeah. Because their cheeks yeah. are just, you know, their mouth is open. Just at the. I try to step back like soaking everything and, in. And I try to soak it in the, the longer I do it and the more I realize that, like, you know, now that I'm in my early 40s, I realize, like, eh, life is going pretty quick, man. You might as well yeah. step back and, and look at what it's, you know, sometimes I have a, con- have a conscious thought, like, this is pretty cool what you're doing right now, you know, um, because we get, like you were saying at the very beginning of this, we get so caught up in all our bullshit, we forget that people really do need to laugh, and mm. and when they, you know, when they get a good laugh, you, it sounds dramatic, but you may have saved their fucking life. On some level. <laughs> You know, laughter could arguably be the best sensation a human has. Yeah. And sex is great. I get that. But there's nothing more euphoric than one of those belly laughs where it hurts and you feel it. And for some reason, you just feel better about yourself and your day and your life after one of them. Yeah. And there's no regret. You don't have to feed, you know, some chick, you know. Like it's just the laughter is is, is euphoric and it's yeah. and, and medicine like we said, but more importantly, it gives us a reason to live. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. And, and and then being that person who delivers that to somebody, yeah, is is, is like almost like a shaman, like a <clears throat> blessing, yeah, an honor. We're know. we're doing this YouTube thing and and uh, we've only just started filming some of it, which I would love to have you if you ever wanted to be in one of our our little sketches of course they're fucking it's gonna be funny that's my main goal is that it's funny above everything else and and sometimes i'll be in a mood and then we'll start the other day we did these we i've got these three trash cans in my driveway (laughs) and we were filming the trash can and i was doing voices for each of the trash cans the recyclable was like this 
I, I can't say it on Twitch, but uh, <laughs> but I did three different voices, yeah. and uh, and and I, so I'm just doing these three voices, and it, it made me laugh, and all of a sudden I went from being in a funk to feeling pretty good about just, and not only because it made me laugh, but because I was doing something with my talent, you know, and that makes you feel when you knew when you're doing what you're when you're trying to do something that is. Uh, I don't even know how to say this, but your life's purpose, you know? Yeah. Like my life's purpose is part of it is being funny. That's the best talent <clears> I was given. And when I use those abilities, it makes me feel good. And when I don't, I feel like shit mm-hmm. and I'm depressed. And I'm like, well, make a f- stupid video yeah. or prank call someone if that's what you have to yeah, do. Be funny. 42 years old, you know, video sell <laughs> you're pranking somebody. I love when Now when a telemarketer calls me, I'm like, uh, can you I hang answer on, please? everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and I hit record on my phone, and I'm like, I might, might be able to use 30 <laughs> seconds of this sure. someday for some YouTube <laughs> Yeah, thing. you can sell it as a phone ring, like yeah. a, a ringtone or something. You never yeah. know. Um, wait, I had some of this. Uh, yeah. Talking about that, eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it'll come back. But uh, <laughs> I, it was a side. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, what we do is uh, you can't take it for granted. It's really a um, a real blessing, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I came up here last night and did a spot that I, I hadn't been up here and done a spot in a while, and uh, <clears throat> and I I did last night, and I sat in the room forever before I finally got to go up. But then when I did, I had a really good show, and you know I. Still felt good this morning because of it. Like, yeah, you got to make sure you're doing what you were born to do yeah, all the time, all the time, as many times as wherever you can. Because I was in a, I was in a funk last night and I didn't want to even come up here. I was like, ah, I'm gonna sit there for however long before I finally get up, and, and then I did, and I felt great. You know, I remember what it was, it was a say. fun night. I was gonna say this is uh, when I'm working, mm-hmm. I'm the happiest, mm-hmm. just inherently, just literally. Yeah. Man, on top of the world. But as soon as I land in L.A. and get to my house and unpack and know that I'm going to be there for a while, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm... This town, for some reason, strangely makes me least creative for whatever mm-hmm. reason. But as soon as I'm sitting on my ass for a week, dude, I slip deep into depression. Yeah. I'm not talking like suicide depression, right. but close. Yeah. Where I'm like, what am I doing? Close enough mm-hmm. that you understand why some people ultimately <clears throat> do it. You know why they sure. why they say fuck it. You know I, I'm like God if if I could be that if I was like that forever <laughs> or for oh, yeah. a, for this long period of time. Yeah. I see how people finally get to the point where like you know yeah. And I'm not gonna off myself, but um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I know exactly. Because when you're I first started about. doing comedy, I'm thinking like, what do you mean depression? I'm, I'm never gonna be depressed. I'm gonna be doing comedy. Right. That's yeah. because I had hope. <laughs> hope is gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Once the hope is gone, that sparkles out of the eye. Yeah. You know, you slip into that, oh, I'm too old. No one's going to like, you know what I mean? You, you, you get those thoughts. But like you said, the cure to that is just always being creative. Yeah. What's funny? Yeah. What's funny? What's well, shit, funny? man. We could talk all freaking day. Uh, yeah. I, didn't, that know, was, that I know was it's fun, a good man. podcast when I don't a- ask any of the questions. Oh, I yeah. Have, you I have always, questions? No, I always write some sure. just in case. Right. But when I don't have to use any of them, it was a good podcast. Right on. I don't remember the great. One. I don't know how long we talked, but we probably got to get the hell out of here. Uh, it's probably They're been, probably going to transition and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. how long has it been? How long about, about an hour, ten, something like uh, that. Oh, okay. Well, that's not as long as I thought. But uh, but we've only got it till four, and it's... No, no, no. That's fine. I, mean? I just... Well, shit, we've been doing a lot. Okay. Anyway. Regardless, over. guys. It's over. It's, you're done, guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything you want to plug? <laughs> Dude, I got dozens of listeners, so... 
dozens. <laughs> MikeFabman.com. I do a comedy cooking show, UltimateOutdoorCooking.com. Yeah, you, where can, where can you see that? that? Um, well, I tour with it live, has a best-selling cookbook. We'll talk about it another time. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm very proud of it. I, I love it. It basically combines live stamp and instructional cooking. Oh, and we tour all over the world. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah, that's, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'll just create it. And next thing you know, it blew up. <laughs> yeah. just that's be- awesome. Just because of its like um, altruistic kind of purpose, which is like bringing people together through food and laughter. Once again, the laughter and food, two things that just kind of right. bring people and happiness and, you know, and good times. But. Um, that and I direct a bunch of things. I have an hour DVD where I have comedians fighting each other in the boxing ring called the Punchline. Nice, nice. You know, contact me somewhere, man. I don't even know. You I don't do a do wrestling one. I'll beat the shit out of some people. Well, not not unless we get someone who's good at wrestling too. Then that would well, be a fuck battle. That. <laughs> <laughs> hey, put me in with a fifth grader, huh? Yeah, yeah I don't want to wrestle I'll anybody who's that good. Kid's ass. <laughs> I want to look like a stud. I don't want to get my ass kicked. <laughs> Guys, anyway. awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good thank time. you Thanks for having for coming, me, buddy. Yeah. Um, if you go to timgathercomedy.com, you can find all my social media links, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. Please follow me and subscribe to my YouTube. And, uh, oh, yeah, makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon. And I think that's it. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. God bless all of you. Bye.